Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future Is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. And we'd also like to remind everyone that for the time being, since we're hosting interviews through video call, we want to apologize in advance for any reduction or lack of audio quality. Now, finally, it is my pleasure today to introduce our guest, Andrea Willey. Thank you so much for being here, Andrea. Hi, thank you, Jacob. Happy to be here. Andrea is here to talk to us about her career journey and position as the district grant writer for the Pajaro Valley Unified School District. Do I call it my alma mater if I graduated from that district? Does that still apply? Yeah, it usually refers to a particular institution, but the whole district, that that makes us all feel privileged. So thank you. Right. Yeah, I, I'm proud to have come from there. So if just to get us going, um, I guess let's start with just, can you tell us exactly what do you do as the district grant writer? Yeah, so as the district grant writer um, in uh, PVUSD, it's a relatively new position brought on by the new superintendent, Dr. Michelle Rodriguez. I am here to kind of scan the environment, the funding environment, to find new opportunities to bolster programs that are driving success with students. And how long have you been in this position? I've been here now three years. And it's been a very, very exciting journey. And I find that every single piece of my professional life has come into play here. And it's um, a very exciting chance to share what I know and my past. Yeah, awesome. Let's talk about your past a bit. How how did you end up here? What's your, I want to know everything. What's your, your education background? Where have you worked before? How did you yeah. end up here? Yeah, so I had the great fortune to be the daughter of a professor um, in Santa Barbara at UC Santa Barbara. And so my personal trajectory was always to um, do well in school and to uh, love learning. And that um, has been very true. I am a lifelong learner, went off to college um, in Boston following college where I had earned a medical anthropology degree, which taught me a lot about observational skills, data collection, um, honoring um, different perspectives, if you will, and uh, scanning and thinking of any environment I'm in as a culture. And that can be whether it's a, a place you work, a community, a society, right? So all those different levels of thinking. And I used that, that learning to go on to human rights advocacy work in mm -hmm. Boston for a number of years, which really met well with my advocacy and passion uh, that drive everything I do. And following that, I went and worked in bioethics education mm -hmm. at hospital and nursing homes around patient decision making and in particular end of life decision making. So how, how did you make that that? connection there. That seems, I, I can see the connection maybe between bioethics and human rights, but still both are very kind of niche. They are. Well, Boston is an academic um, in, uh, city uh -huh. with more probably universities and colleges than anywhere else you find. And so nonprofits abound. And um, we had a great career office back in the day, many, many years ago, we didn't have the internet, but boy, they had binders and any nonprofit that was looking for students coming out of top level universities 
sent in flyers and that's where I would go and find out new things that were happening. And you know, most of your interviewees have probably said there are times in your career where you feel the need to move on, like you, you've done what oh, you yeah. can in the organization or the staff is ready for change or you personally are. And so it just when I was ready, I went and looked at some binders and I said, oh my gosh, that looks like another amazing opportunity. I'm interested in ethics. And because it was bioethics and I had a medical anthropology degree, I gravitated to it. And again, opened up a whole new place where I would learn so much, got to read the literature as a research associate on that project, uh, talk with top level um, uh, ethicists in the nation. In fact, one of my, uh, our principal investigator on that project is now the head of the Hastings Center for Bioethics in um, New York, which is one of the most prestigious organizations. So it's just a lot of it is being in the right place at the right time, perhaps. And again, privileged to have grown up in a family with a professor for a father, right? Yeah, I, I, I can relate very much with my father being in academics and now he's a yeah, professor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you have an uncle, and you have an uncle. Oh, who's yeah, a oh yeah, yeah. He's he's a pretty big name I, for yeah. anyone listening. R- Randy Sheckman. Do do do, do <laughs> look him up. See what comes up. I I've met Randy Sheckman <laughs> at some of our events. So so I just wanted to give you a shout out too. Yeah, and then after the bioethics um, piece, I decided to come back to California. Right, uh-huh. I'm born and raised here. It's hard to take the Californian out of someone. And I returned and using my experiences, I started to do some consulting work in East LA with hospitals. Um, my uh, uncle uh, had worked in that community for many years. That's in fact where my father uh, was born and raised in East LA. And there was a brand new hospital going up called the USC University Hospital, which would be a high-end um, non-emergency room place where the USC faculty could bring private paying patients or high level insurance patients. You know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. much of a public service mission, but they had a need to understand their community. Why aren't local Latino physicians referring patients to us? We don't understand. And so I went out and used my anthropology lens and did some informational interviewing and shared feedback with them on, you know, the fact that there's actually a disconnect here. You know, you are privileged uh, people, coming into their community and they perceive it as almost a threat. And when you don't give them admitting privileges or reach out to them and try to form relationships, you know, maybe, maybe that's why you're not getting referrals. So it was a really fun project. And I, um, and then I just stayed on at that hospital. They decided that they liked my style of communication, my attention to detail, my um, uh, inquiry-based thinking and started to ask me to take on uh, running different departments um, that were non-clinical because I don't have a clinical background. And I just rapidly became, you know, a manager at a high level in a, in a hospital system. And again, my medical anthropology training understood to look at that hospital as a particular institution with beliefs and practices intact and learn to navigate them well. To look at that that institution with such a perspective, as opposed to what, how else were people trying to perceive these before? Yeah, a lot of people in um, a hospital system, in particular, it's very hierarchical. In fact, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's astonishing. Perhaps changing a bit more, and of course, something like the current pandemic we're in often levels the playing field of hierarchy because um, everyone is hands on deck. Um, and there is no hierarchy. We are serving the emergent need at the moment. But in that time, very hierarchical, right? Positions at the top, 
anything from a, a concern about, um, I can't find a place to park. When a physician says that it's met with a very different lens than a patient saying, it took me 15 minutes in the parking lot to find a parking space, right? Yeah. Very different. Yeah. And so I would help navigate that. And, um, and, and eventually what I found was that because I had such a passionate um, human rights and, um, and social justice lens in, in my personal philosophy that working for a for-profit hospital started to not be my favorite place. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I needed to make a change. And, and at that time, my dad was retiring and my parents were moving up here to Watsonville where my mom, her family has actually been here in this county since the early 1800s. And they oh were coming. Oh my gosh. I know. Wow. I know. We, we could do an hour interview, but we <laughs> <laughs> only have 35 minutes or 30 minutes. Um, and so my parents moved up here. And at that time I was married and had two little ones. And I said, well, I don't want to be away from my family. So we moved up here and I had the great fortune to stay home for a number of years and, and raise my children. But I immediately, knowing, knowing my love of education and learning, spent as much time as I could in their schools, which was yeah. the school system, pushing in, running for site council, starting special projects, looking through the equity lens, making sure that my students who had me as a parent if I'm going to do something to benefit my child, I needed to make sure that it was something that I could bring other students along with them. So uh -huh. starting, you know, special projects at the high school, elementary school, middle school to inspire students. And, um, and then when our new superintendent came on board here in Pajaro Valley, I made it a point to get to meet her and know her. And when this position to be a district grant writer opened up, I applied because I had worked and sat on many nonprofit boards over the years. In fact, going back to my time at the human rights organization, the bioethics organization, those were in fact grant-funded nonprofits largely. So Ford Foundation was Physicians for Human Rights. You know, we were all grant-funded, so we did grant reporting. We understood the messaging and cycle of grants. And then the bioethics education program was through the W.K. Kellogg Foundation in Michigan. So I'd kind of lived and breathed the grant world for many years. And when this opportunity at PVUSD opened up, I thought, this is, this is for me. I'm ready. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're speaking with Andrea Willey and learning about her career journey to becoming the district grant writer at the Pajaro Valley Unified School District. Okay, so you mentioned the new superintendent was hired, and you made it a point to talk and meet with with her. Can Absolutely. you can you talk about your motivation as to why you would want to do that, and how that was? Clearly, you talked about eventually how it led to a job, but I want people to understand why what you did is so important. Yeah, well, I you know, like I said earlier, my family has uh, been a part of this community since the early eighteen hundreds, and my children are in the school district, and I understood the disparity and the conditions of poverty that some of our students live with. And we all can track the numbers, you know, and we mm -hmm. were seeing a flat line in the numbers and we knew that it was time for a, a leadership shift. And in fact, our school board made that change. And so I thought I want um, this new superintendent after I heard her speak a couple of times, I said, oh my gosh, we need this person to be successful here. And so I am willing to go to bat and uh, speak about, get to know her, speak about her in community um, forums, 
and support her work because her work matters. And she articulated early on that she was student-centered and mission-driven. And that's what, that's how I view my life. And so there was a fast alignment there. And, and then I, I interviewed, I was fortunate enough to be given the position and I have not looked back. And so, um, you know, my day-to-day work here over the three years has evolved in terms of what I've been able to bring to the district. We brought in, I brought in uh, through either independent single district level grants or collaborative grants with partners or supporting external partners who serve our students um, and need some grant uh, writing support. We've brought in about $11 million in three years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a lot of funding. Well, there's, it's, and it's not that there's high need here, it's that there's exciting work going on in this district to support our students and prepare them. When I started, the buzz was the 21st century. Well, we're kind of beyond the beginning of the 21st century. And it's really more about having them become life ready, right? So we've expanded the definition of student success in this district. And so we're looking for dollars and programs and partnerships that align to that. And it's also a whole child lens in this district now. So for many years, people thought of a school system as one that imparts knowledge through learning. We now take care of the whole child. So we impart knowledge through learning, but we look for and treat students with compassion. They have behavioral learning needs. They have social emotional learning needs. And we, as a system, were never designed to do that. But in fact, because we hold their little souls all day long, that is in our mandate now. And so that's what we do. And so part of it is scanning this emerging acknowledgement of what we do for funding resources and then writing um, grants to acquire those funds to support programs we're doing. Can you talk a little bit more about your specific day-to-day work, say it, it, the world is normal, you show up on a Tuesday, what are you, yeah. what are you doing? What's the routine? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an early riser. I get in early and I spend usually my first two hours doing learning. I am scanning. I am signed up on listservs up the wazoo in the education world, in the social emotional learning world, in the foundation philanthropy world, in the government funding world. And I start scanning my emails. And by scanning, I mean, I open each one and I scan that document for something that might inspire me or that speaks to what we are doing on the ground at this moment in time. And I read it and then I share it with people who might have interest in our organization and our community partners. And what I'm doing by doing that is I am I am honoring the fact that we have to learn, but we also have to stay relevant, move quickly, and embrace our partners as we go forward. So I'm building a community around what can we possibly do next. So I spend about two hours doing that. And I've, I, people now know to expect emails from me with um, new information. <laughs> and then those who uh, are excited by something, an opportunity that might be there, will write back and say, what do you think? Can we do this? And then I'll say, let's meet, let's connect, and let's talk about why this funding opportunity interested you. How does it speak to driving your personal agenda for students in this district? And how does it align? This is always important. How does it align to the stated LCAP goals and mission of our district, right? Will it serve our students best? And who can we partner with to do it? 
as you're as you're talking and 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 giving me this info, the, these two words that keep coming to mind ab- about you are are uh, proactivity. Oh my gosh, and I forgot my second word. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it felt so important, well, but proactive. Yeah, but you're constantly like how you said you wanted to go up to bat for your students and your kids. You're you're the things that you tell me you're involved with are so much more, admittedly, than I imagined for a, a, a district grant writer. I I thought that that would be that. But there's so yeah, much more yeah. that you that you have to you. And I'm just I'm curious. I wonder if you happen to have any any stories that might tell us a little bit about where this came from. Yeah, I think I just I really do love learning. Right. And I and I practiced that a lot um, in school. You know, I was a top student. It was a game I could win and I wanted to win. And um, grant writing is somewhat like that, too. It is a game, if you will, in that you have to scan the field. You have to know your competition. You have to know if you are going to be a Division I athlete in that moment. And if you're not a Division I athlete, then don't go after that particular grant resource, right? If there are many other competitors in the field who are going to win, you're spinning your wheels. But watch and still read and learn so that when your organization is ready, you are in. So I do that. And you're right. I am very proactive. I think ahead. Maybe it's because I'm a middle child. I was always scanning what was happening in my family. I got to dodge this. I got to facilitate that. Um, I don't know if you're a middle child. I'm the baby. Oh, you're the baby. Oh, yeah. It's it's great. (laughs) Yeah. And as a middle child, I was just navigating that environment, right? To stay out of trouble, advantage myself, but be thoughtful. And that's what I do here. And and when you say the word proactive about me, I think I am because I'm always thinking ahead. So what grant writers do in addition to scanning the field and putting funding opportunities from either governmental sources, uh, philanthropic organizations um, in front of people to say, does this um, look like something we're interested in? I also am really, really dedicated to learning the, the latest iteration of our story. What is our student's story? And our student's story isn't just grounded in the moment, but in their potential. And their potential is linked directly to my organization's organization's potential to serve them well. And that's what I want to do. And so I'm looking for that change. I'm looking for the data points. I'm looking for the other leaders in districts like ours, right, with high poverty students to say, what are they doing? What are they tracking? What grants are they going after? Which people are they following? And that's how I've built my base of who I follow with emails or on social media. And then I'm I'm thinking that through. Do we fit? Are we ready to fit? And then we jump. Yeah, it's a really fun job. And of course, there's like fundamental skill sets that you do want to have. Oh, yeah. Let's hear those. Fundamental skill sets are you do want to be a good writer. You know, you want to be detail oriented. um, And it does help to be a bit of an extrovert in my particular grant writing position Mm -hmm. um, because I'm connecting with community partners. I am engaging people and trying to get information out of them so that I understand and can help them tell their story. Um, I have to be somewhat data savvy, right? Because data drives a lot of things right now. People want to know that their dollars have impact. And um, and then you have to also kind of be a conceptual thinker. 
So if you are on the cutting edge, going after dollars for um, new and interesting programs, which is my charge, I'm not doing the basic uh, grants that we get from the federal government or the state that sort of keep things moving. Um, That's a different type of grant writing, but it is grant writing. Mine is more, you know, relevant, active, and responsive to um, what's of interest to people. So that's kind of um, where it falls. Yeah. When when you're working on on grants within the district, um, I'm are you sometimes working with individual schools uh, programs? How exactly is it work? Who are you writing these grants for within the district? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a range. um, And again, it will depend on the initiative. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes you have a a school that has a special program. um, And so we're writing for that program at that school, or it might be a program across many schools, um, but not all. And so then we're writing to expand capacity to spread that program because we know and we've been able to measure that it has impact on our students. And so we want more of it. Um, So we do that. And I tend to focus more on higher dollar grants. There are a lot of grants. Um, I will offer to do technical reads for, say, teachers or a site that's going after, you know, one to $5,000. But I have been asked to prioritize my time on the higher level dollars uh, grants. Uh, And so they tend to be either system-wide or a cluster of schools, mm-hmm. or they are around a particular initiative that we want to start and test somewhere, and then we'll launch it further if if it shows promise, right? So with grants, it's not just the return on investment is measured in many ways, but mainly on how is it impacting our students and is it moving them forward in a criteria area that matters to us and to this community. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're speaking with Andrea Willie and learning about her career journey to becoming the district grant writer at the Pajaro Valley Unified School District. What would you say is the least favorite or maybe most stressful part of your position now? Ooh. So if you are a procrastinator and you don't like deadlines, then grant writing may not be for you. (laughs) So deadlines are imperatives. And it takes time as a grant writer to understand how to manage um, the cycle of writing with multiple authors and meeting your deadlines, right? Reading um, an RFA, which means a request uh, for application or an RFP, a request for proposal, which is how we learn about funding opportunities. You have to read that well. You have to be proactive and forward plan a timeline that allows for bumps in the road and learn who in your organization you go to for the data pieces that you need. And then you are facilitating getting content from different partners um, for the pieces you need. So if you don't like working on deadlines or timelines, that in essence aren't your own, right? Somebody else has dictated it Mm -hmm. to you because of what they want from you, then maybe it's not for you. 
Um, but it doesn't mean that someday you might not be part of a grant and writing something. Um, and so maybe you've learned something by listening to me about that. Um, what else? That's probably the only thing sure. I, th I thought that is um, maybe off-putting. Um, I would say if you, if you love to learn, communicate, and you have a nonprofit um, domain or area of concern that matters deeply to you, um, then grant writing is a great way to be able to express your allegiance to that, um, to that interest, whether it is, you know, uh, youth, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get political here, but whatever your interest is, there's a way to support organizations doing good work that you love. And this is one way to do it. Wonderful. That answered my next question, which was the other side of the coin. Thank you. Um, yeah. What would you say, what, my, do you have a, a most memorable moment from this job or, or your, your career in general? Any, any most memorable, rewarding moment? I would say it's more a series of moments. Yeah. I would say there, and, and, and I'll limit it to, to this three-year time span here. I would say that there are moments where I've been working on a particular project, um, writing something, or thinking, stewing on how to um, articulate a concept or a story to have meaning to the audience who is my funder, and that may be different. And I say to myself, gosh. Who would have thought that what I did 25 years ago in that other job would come and be the most profound piece of experience I'm bringing to this? Oh, there's Melina. Um, that would be what I would say, that they, I have those moments. And I say, thank goodness I worked in human rights with physicians uh, for human rights. Thank goodness. Well, here, COVID, bioethics, end-of-life decision-making my capacity to digest and be thoughtful and have empathy for those going through um, the loss of loved ones, understanding how a health organization is responding to this crisis um, is, uh, is deep because of my training and my experience. And, um, and, on, and, and as challenging as that is, I'm so privileged to have that deeper lens through which to look at um, what's happening. Perfect. Do you have any bit of advice or something you might want our students and listeners to know uh, as we send off here? Yeah, my advice would be if you really um, enjoy writing as a mechanism for imparting change or impacting um, the world, right? If you're not a public speaker, if you... Um, don't like making phone calls, but you like to write, um, look at, you know, explore on the internet what a grant writer does and, um, and, and perhaps ask to shadow someone in a nonprofit that you love and say, I'd love to learn how you do that because maybe it's for me. And not all organizations have a dedicated grant writer. In fact, in our community, there are people who freelance doing grant writing in certain domains and, um, and that may be a path for you. But again, it all depends on, you know, uh, what, you, what you love and um, experience with organizations and managing relationships um, all come into play. But I would say if you love to write and tell stories and you're passionate about something, this could be a career for you. So give me a call. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. That This has been absolutely wonderful, and I can't wait to put this on the air. Oh, good. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story. I'm your host, Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be. Our guest today is Andrea Willey, the district grant writer for the Pajaro Valley Unified School District. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM K-Squid Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Or if you want to visit our website at yfiob.org for more ways to listen. Thank you and see you next time.